here at the church. Mark chapter 15, and we'll begin reading with verse number 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. They bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. I want you to focus with me on verse number 21. They compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. I want to preach to you on an unexpected cross and God's unforeseen providence. An unexpected cross and God's unforeseen providence. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask you, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart. And God, that you'll anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what the Spirit of God would say to his church and to his people today. I ask you to help me and anoint me to preach. Touch us around this altar, O oh God. The altar services, Lord, that I've come from in a persecuted nation have been powerful. They have been surreal, life-changing. I pray that you would be the same here today as you have been there. God, that you'll meet every need, that you'll touch every heart in life. Some are here today in need of a miracle. Maybe it's the miracle of salvation and you're a savior. Maybe of healing in their body and you are still a healer. God, maybe it's the infilling and the power of the Holy Ghost. Come and baptize us of you, I pray. We ask it together in Christ's name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen. We've all, in, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three Gospels make mention of Simon, a Cyrenian, and they all make mention of him in one verse, basically in one sentence. Simon, a Cyrenian, whom they made to bear the cross of Christ. And that's it. That's all you get about Simon a Cyrenian. Mark had the most to say about him in that he added that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And he spoke that writing to the church as if everybody should know who Alexander and Rufus were. And we'll get to that later. But as I read this and began to, to ponder on it, Simon, a Cyrenian, uh, uh, Cyrene was a, a city in northern Africa, right. on the continent of northern Africa. Because of that, some commentary say he was a black man, but Jewish scholars believe that he was a Jew because there was tens thousands of the Jewish people uh, when they had been driven and scattered across the world that there was tens of thousands of Jews in Cyrene and that most likely Simon was a Jew. And the reason he was in Jerusalem is that he had traveled from Cyrene 
on a pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover when the city of Jerusalem still to this day will swell to tens of thousands of people that come from all over the world to celebrate the Passover there in Jerusalem. Maybe it was his first time, the Bible doesn't say. Maybe it was one of many trips that he had taken to Jerusalem. Maybe he knew, you know, which uh, to go from northern Africa to get to Jerusalem, you had to go by ship. And Joppa being the nearest port, I, I thought uh, Joppa is most famous for being the port that Jonah, when the Bible said that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa to flee from the presence of the Lord and boarded a ship going to Tarshish. And a city that was known for a man who was trying to flee God became a city that was known for people trying to get to God. So I just want to tell you, even in a world where people in a country, America being very Christianized, there are a lot of people that don't want to hear. A lot of people that could be in church but just choose not to because they're tired of hearing it. They don't want to hear any more about it or they're bored with it or they just fallen out of love with the Lord. And any mention of Jesus, the Bible, or the Word of God sends them going the other way. Right. That may be the case, but it's not the case with everybody. Right. There was a man not fleeing from the presence of God, but he was traveling to Joppa to get to, in his mind, the presence of God. And Joppa's some 35 to 38 miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. He would likely have to get there by foot, which uh, many people believe to be about because they would not travel at night to be a two-day walk. And so he gets in uh, to Joppa most likely at least two days prior to the beginning of the feast of the, of the Passover. And on entering into the city, if he's there for the feast of the Passover, he is, he's done his best to do whatever he has to do to remain pure so that he can get into the temple and worship in the temple. Get into the temple and offer that lamb, that sacrifice, not only for his sin, but the sin of his family, the sin of his, you know, countrymen. And, and, you know, to bear his soul before God. And as he walks into the city, it's not unusual for there to be a large crowd, a, a swell of people during the feast of the Passover, but something was unusual. He was hearing shouts of hatred, shouts of antagonism, shouts of blasphemy. And no doubt he asked somebody, what's going on? They said, man, are you a stranger here? Don't you know? They're crucifying Jesus of Nazareth today. And being from Cyrene, he wouldn't have known. Never heard of it. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a worker of miracles. He's opened the eyes of the blind. He's unstopped deaf ears. He's made the lame to walk again with authority. He has commanded demons to flee and they obey him. We've heard that he has walked upon water. He has raised one named Lazarus from the dead. He, many believe that he is the Messiah, the anointed one from God who's come as the Savior and deliverer of Israel and the whole world. He said for that, the Jewish leaders, the rabbis, the Sanhedrin have sent to kill him. And today they're going to crucify him. And the Bible says that about the time that Simon, a Cyrenian who was passing by, you want to talk about unforeseen providence. You want to talk about an unexpected cross that he's about to have to carry. He's passing by the very moment that Jesus is being made to carry that beam and he, under the weight of it, Jesus collapsed. His back has been beaten to where you could, all the skin ripped and torn. Many uh, commentaries say that a Roman scourging with the cat of nine tails, nine leather straps that at the end were tied, bone, glass, and metal shards. So when that cord wrapped around the body and they ripped it off to tear and shred the flesh from the body and many that were sentenced to be crucified never lived through the beating to even make it to the cross. The Romans made the cross a public spectacle as to make an example to everybody who broke their law that they were ruthless. You better submit and do what we say or this will be your fate. So it was a very public display, one to put fear in all the people. And Jesus, the crucifixion was very public, not because the Romans planned it to be so, but because God commanded it to be so. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God designed the cross so that all men would know that Christ is the way to God. That Christ is the only one who can save us from our sin. God wanted every eye to see. He wanted every heart to know and to realize. So it's a very public display. And at the very moment that Jesus that body, the Bible said, whose visage, visage, his appearance, was so marred unlike any man ever before him. Meaning that body was so torn, ripped, and ravaged, he was unrecognizable. You could probably see his entrails, all the flesh ripped and torn. You could probably see ribs 
cage, the bone, and he's bleeding out profusely. But I believe that the man Jesus Christ could have carried that beam if he so desired. But today that beam, that cross, was not his to bear. The providence of God put Simon, a Cyrenian, who was not from Jerusalem, who had traveled by boat to the port of Joppa, walked two days' journey, and he gets there unbeknowingly, just in time to see a man named Jesus collapse next to him on the street of the city. A Roman soldier just grabs Simon, a Cyrenian, pulls him into the street, says, you are going to carry this being because he's not able to carry it any further. You understand this now. Simon, who's ready, ceremonially pure, I've come here to worship. I've come here for the feast of the Passover. If you put that blood on me, you're going to disqualify me from being able to go into the temple. I've come all this way to be able to worship in the temple. If I put that bloody beam on me, I'm, I'm unpure. I'm unclean. I'm disqualified. No, no, Simon. That blood's not going to make you unclean. That blood is going to ultimately make you, make you clean from your sin. The Bible said concerning Christ, who by his own blood washed us from our sin. Hallelujah. That blood is not going to stain you. That blood is going to cleanse you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That blood, I've got this robe on. I, I, I'm dressed to the hilt. I'm dressed to the part for the feast of the Passover. You're going to stain my robe with blood and it's never going to be the same again. He's not staining your garments. Uh, he's marking you. You belong to me. Hallelujah. Your mind, the Bible said that, that the blood not only <coughs> washes you, but the blood sanctifies you from sin unto God. Meaning the blood marks you. Through the blood, God writes his name on you and says, you're mine. You belong to me. And the blood separates you from your sin and separates you unto God. It's the blood that gives us a rite of passage. It's the blood that tears down the middle wall that Brother Corey preached about tears down the wall of partition that separates us from God and gives us entry and access into the holy of holies. <coughs> he understands it's not a request. The Bible said they compelled him or forced him to take that cross. If I get bloody from this beam, I'm, I'm out of the temple. Can you imagine as he puts that bloody beam on his back, so there's some thoughts going through his mind. 
people are going to think if I carry this beam, people are going to think I'm a criminal because there were two thieves yeah. on either side of it. People are going to think less of me than they should if I carry this beam. You know, we've seen the old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. We talk about we cherish it. We cling to it. But to be born, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And he said, let every, let every man that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So I'm saved. I've been born again. I'm separated from my sin unto God. I am suddenly not Mr. Popularity anymore. I'm suddenly a fish that's swimming upstream against the current. I'm not going with the flow. Now to talk to somebody about the Lord, oh, you think you're better than me. Not at all. I just want to tell you what God's done for me. Oh, you're a holy roller. I knew you when you were knee high. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. Amen. All of that's true. But that's who I was, not who I am. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things are become new. So the fear, I am now associated with these two thieves and I'm associated with a man that they call a blasphemer and they're putting him to death. And I've never seen them hate a man like they're hating Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, those pastors there that had us kind of under wraps, they said, look, they find, if the government finds out you're here, this is what's going to happen. They said, a month ago, there were missionaries from South Korea that came to look now and was holding a meeting, a conference. As soon as it was found out, they, they arrived at the hotel where they were staying, gathered them up, took them straight to the airport in Lucknow, and shipped them out on the first flight out. You're out. You're gone. He said, but the people that hosted them, the people that invited them, they're all in prison now. To be associated with him, I thought, what, what kind of threat is this Bible to an entire nation? That you would lock a man up, that you would deport him and put him on a plane and says, you can't ever come back to our country again if you're bringing this book with you. There's nothing that threatens hell like the word of God. And the Bible said that Jesus was the word of God that was made flesh. He was the greatest threat to the devil there's ever been. Everywhere he went, demons cried out. Said, don't torment us before our time. Everywhere that word of God's preached, you're a threat to the kingdom of hell. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he lives in your heart and life, I can tell you every devil in hell is against you. But my Bible reads, if God be for us, who can be against us? There's no power. There's no principality. There's no angel. There's no demon. Not Satan himself can stop us. I'm going to be associated with him. I want to tell you, if you are, that ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. You may not want to be associated with him if you want to run with Hollywood. If so, they will ostracize you and you won't ever act in another movie again. You may not be, want to be associated with him if you're a professional athlete. If you are, they'll exclude you from the superstar fame. You may not want to be associated with him if you're running with the popular crowd because the, it was the crowd that said, crucify him. We would rather have Barabbas, a murderer. And Pontius Pilate said, well, I'm, I'm washing my hands. I find no fault in this man. I'm washing my hands in innocency of what you want to be done because I can't find anything that he's done wrong and certainly nothing that he's worthy of death. They said, let his blood be on us and upon our children and our grandchildren. Crucify him. We want Barabbas. <clears throat> Why? Because Barabbas didn't convince them of their sin. Barabbas didn't put their heart under conviction for the life that they had lived. They wanted somebody like them because their heart was guilty of sin. To be associated with him is not going to be a bad thing, Simon. It's going to be a good thing. He's compelled to Carry that cross. The blood's not going to make you unclean. The blood is going to wash you. And to be associated with him is not a terrible thing. It's actually a wonderful thing. He knows this is not a request but a command. So he kneels down and lifts that cross. And the march continues. It's ironic that in just a moment Simon went from being at the one place in the world that he wanted to be more than anywhere else to wanting to be anywhere else other than where he now was. This is not a, I, I want to tell you, the cross doesn't feel good. The cross is a symbol of suffering and shame. The cross is a symbol of disassociation from the world. And the cross means that you are being put to death public execution. The apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Here's the reasoning behind the cross. So that it's not you that lives any longer, but it's Christ in you. What's God's goal of the cross? It's to kill you. You're not the message. Christ is the message. 
It's not about your life, your will, your plans, your pleasure, your desire. It's about God's will being accomplished in your life. I want to tell you, that hurts. The flesh was torn and shredded and ripped. That hurts. It was pierced through with nails. It was driven through with a spear. That hurts to have your desire, your will, your plans, your pleasures stripped from your life. The flesh don't like it. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. The flesh will cry out in agony. How many times have I accused God? When the unexpected cross. I just so happen to be in a place. Where Christ is there and I'm compelled to take the cross of Christ and carry the weight of that being in my own life. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then take up your cross every day and follow me. And he said, if you won't carry the cross, if you won't deny yourself, you can't be my disciple. Many times in our life, the cross is unexpected. Everything's going good. Everything's feeling lovely. Everything's wonderful. And all of a sudden, we're compelled by God to carry the cross. Painful. Not about what I want. How many times in my association of carrying that cross have I said to God, what have I done to deserve this? What sin did I commit to be punished like this. The last time I said that to God was a number of months ago. We, we get to feeling sorry for ourselves. And I said that a number of months ago to God and God said to me, that's offensive for you to question my judgment. When I allowed my son the sinless one, the holy one of heaven, who knew no transgression. There was no guile in his mouth. He was the sinless one. And it was my will to put him on a cross. And you question my judgment and act as if you've done nothing to deserve the cross. He said, the cross... Uh, it's not about what you want. The cross is my will, not just for my son, but for you. And that's when you're forced, you're compelled to carry the cross. You're compelled to pick it up and, and to march with it, to march on with it. He went from a place where he wanted to be to the place where he Never wanted to be. Being made to carry that being. As he struggled up the hill. The blood of the man. Beside him. Christ. Mingled in with his own sweat. You, you, you have to know. 
that for however long that journey was outside the city carrying that cross, that they made eye contact. The Bible doesn't say that there was any conversation, but Jesus rarely met men with whom he had no conversation at all. You wonder if anything was said, if eye contact was made. He saw no anger nor remorse in Christ for him being there, carrying that beam, but a look of gratitude, more than gratitude, a look of love, a look of compassion, a look of satisfaction. My father has brought you here by my side. My Father's will, His providence, His goodness has placed that beam on your back. Otherwise, you would have never known my name. Otherwise, you would have never known the degree of suffering. Otherwise, you would have never seen love personified. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Simon wondered if the rumors were true. This man was not only innocent of the charges against him, but indeed the Messiah sent from God. He's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but Mark's description is the most detailed. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. He wrote to the churches that everyone should know Alexander and Rufus. While there's much that we don't know, there's much that we do know. We don't know exactly how long the walk was, nor what Jesus and Simon said or did not say to each other, but we know that Simon saw love personified that day. He saw how grace responded to cruelty and injustice. Meaning can be found in Jesus. Jesus is the answer. It's Jesus. It's the cross of Christ that God wants you to come face to face with in your life, even if it's unexpected. People have unexpected encounters with the cross all the time. Not only did Simon not expect the cross, I suspect he didn't want the cross. By neither choice or preference of his own, Simon had to come to the aid of Jesus Christ. To be honest, he wouldn't have carried that cross had they not made him carry it. But the very thing he didn't want to do became the very saving grace of God in his life. Some people find the cross and sometimes the cross finds you. God made a divine appointment with Simon that day. Sometimes he makes a divine appointment with us. Like Simon, those appointments may involve tasks that we prefer not to do. Valleys we prefer not to walk through. Hardships we prefer not to come our way. Battles that we prefer not to fight in. 
But like Simon, many of these cross beams that we're asked to bear become life's greatest blessing. The victory, Uriah the Hittite. Midnight, I'm here for bread. The awful disease of sin. I, I preach a lot of meetings, a lot of different places, and these are the requests. There are people that have never met me. I heard this message, I heard this message, and man, I started following you. You know, following your ministry everywhere, that message so impacted my life. And I tell them all the same thing. Every one of those messages that you've talked to me about were born out of some of the greatest hardships of my life. Some of those messages born out of dark and deep wounds and tragedies and trials. I, if I'd have seen that coming from down the road, I'd have went five miles out of the way to dodge it. Jesus compels his disciples to get into a ship and go with him under the other side. But if those disciples see the storm that's coming, no, no, no. We don't, we don't sail, Lord, in stormy weather. We're experienced fishermen. You dodge the storms. Jesus said, no, no. It's in the storm that you're going to find out I'm the peace speaker. In the storm, he said, peace be still. And they fell down at his feet. It said, what kind of man can command the wind and the sea and the waves and they obey him? And the Bible said they worshiped him. It was in the storm that he convinced them he's God. When you are made to carry the cross in all your hurt and all your pain and all your suffering makes you die to everything you are. And cling to him as his, as the only refuge, the only resource, my only help. Lord, if I make it through this, it'll be through your strength. It'll be by your grace. It'll be by your hand. When we get to heaven, we're going to cast our crown at his feet. Because we're going to have the testimony. If it weren't for him, I'd have never made it. Somehow that cross has a way of stripping everything away from you and making it all about him. Let me close with this. It's largely thought that Mark wrote, I read this in commentary, it's largely thought that Mark wrote his gospel to the Christians in Rome. Paul later in his epistle to the Romans, Romans 16 and Verse 13, in closing, his greetings to the Roman church. Mm -hmm. He said, greet or salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Mark's gospel said they compelled Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Yeah. It's not a large stretch put the pieces of the puzzle together that Simon's life was forever changed that day. Yeah. That an unexpected cross mm -hmm. was laid upon his back and he carried it to the top of Golgotha. He watched the sky grow, bl grow black and the earth quake and the rocks rend. 
he heard the Roman soldier cry, truly this man was the son of God. Hallelujah. He didn't get to go to the temple. He wasn't allowed to participate in the feast of the Passover. But I believe if there was a conversation between Simon and Christ on the way to Calvary, I believe this was it. Simon carrying that beam and looking how emaciated this body was. He said, the temple that you seek is nothing compared to the temple that Solomon built. It was Herod's temple. And the elders seeing it, uh, that knew of Solomon's temple, they wept because it was so much lesser in its grandeur and its glory than the temple in Solomon's day. Christ, I believe, if he said anything, said, the temple that you desire, the temple that you seek, they tore it down. And it'll never be what it once was. But destroy this temple. And in three days, Simon, I'm going to raise it up again. Ain't no Bible for it. But I believe that Simon, unable to go through the feast of the Passover, I believe that he stayed at least three more days. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe he stayed at least three more days to hear word. Is this man really who they said he was? And word traveled all over that city. He is not here. He's risen. I believe that Rufus that Paul commanded the Roman church to greet and to salute. It's most likely the son of Simon, a Cyrenian who when he got back home, pulled that robe off, held it up to his wife and his two boys. You ain't gonna believe what happened to me when I got to Jerusalem. I want to tell you that's been my testimony for the last 29 years. You won't believe what happened to me on a Sunday night in October of 1993 when that blood was applied to my life for the first time. Because of it, my three children raised in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, they all love God and have a, des a desire and a heart to worship Him, to know Him, and to serve Him. As a result, as far as I know, every one of our grandchildren know what it means to pray to Jesus. Every one of our grandchildren know what it means to clap your hands to lift your hands unto the Lord. Not a strange thing to see their daddy weep tears of joy. To hear me shout with a shout with a voice of triumph. For me to be gone all over the country, over the world, doing what? My desire was to play ball 
His desire was for me to preach the gospel. Why you got to be gone everywhere all the time? It's because of the will of God in Christ Jesus. It is my will. It is through my divine providence that I have ordained this day for your life, saith the Lord. The unforeseen circumstance, the hardships and the difficulties and the trials that you never would have allowed to come your way has brought you unto me, saith the Lord. I went ahead of you and I Ordain this path that would lead you to my feet. Hallelujah. My will for you is the cross. It's not that you would live in your own desire. That you would follow or walk after your own lust. It's that you would surrender to me, saith God. It's that you would embrace me and call upon my name. That it would be that I would live. That the world might know me. That my name might be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. That I might receive the glory for what I have done, saith the Lord. Despise not my cross. Turn me not away, but bear it, saith the Lord. And I will give you peace that passes all understanding. I will fill your heart with a joy that will be full and that will remain. And you will know my will for your life. And you will see and accomplish the glory of God in this earth, saith the Lord. None of us know what tomorrow holds. No matter how good it's going, you may walk tomorrow right into an unexpected cross. But if your will is to know God and to walk with God, then embrace it because this was the life that he chose for his own sons or his own son. This is the will and desire of God in our life. Take up your cross. Follow him. If you're able, stand with me this morning. Father, I've just came from a country where the mention of his name may cause a riot. May cause men to want to beat you or to kill you, or at the very least, throw you in prison. But I've watched men and women and even young people embrace your will to the point, Lord, that they are perfectly fine. They're completely okay 
with any hardship or any difficulty that comes their way. Because they have embraced the cross of Jesus Christ and surrendered wholeheartedly to your will. The only thing that they'll know about me, the only thing that I'll know about them is our love for the Savior. Whatever accomplishments that we wrought were wrought in Christ. Whatever great things that we saw or may have did while on this journey were wrought by Christ as we walked, as we followed Him. God, I want my encounter with you to leave a mark. I want my life to be remembered by association with, with Jesus Christ. I want the precious blood that ran from his side to mark my life forever, washing me and cleansing me and sanctifying me under your purpose and will in the earth. I want my children and grandchildren after me to know the same thing. I want everybody that I cross paths with to know that the man that hang upon that cross, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of the whole world. I want to leave no doubt in their mind. He's the answer to every dilemma. He's the peace in every storm. He's the mender of every broken heart. He's the Savior of every soul. Would you touch us around this altar today, Lord? God, whatever need is in this house, you can help. And God, if it be nothing more than to ask you for grace, to carry the cross, or to make it through the trial, or to walk through the valley, or strength to keep fighting in the battle that I am fighting, oh God, then I pray for grace, strength, Help me go another mile. We ask it in your precious name. Would you meet me in this altar this morning? Hallelujah. Whatever it is, you need the Lord to touch. You need the Lord to help. You need him to save or to heal or simply to grant grace to make a way of escape. You can bear it. He'll do it for you this morning. Lead me to the cross.